Hi listeners, it's Kalia. We have some exciting news. We have rolled out the Double Cuzzies Patreon as a way for you to support us if you've been enjoying these episodes. There are different tiers for you to become a patron by donating, which also inaugurates you into Club Dub Cuz, aka CDC. And a few fun perks for each tier that showcase our creative writing skills and wacky ass merch ideas for the big time supporters. Your support will help us develop and grow this podcast, and down the road we also plan to have exclusive bonus episodes and content just for patrons. So check it out at patreon.com slash doublecuzzies and become an early supporter of whatever it is that we're doing here. <laughs> we'll also drop the link in this week's episode description, and I promise this is not in response to last week's episode of me talking in-depth about how I quit my job. I'm fine, I swear. The Patreon is part of us exploring this medium and podcasting, having fun, and finding different ways to be creative and connect with all of you. We appreciate you. <laughs> Double cousins. It's like if the Winklevoss twins married Kate and Rooney Mara. Do you know who those people are? Yeah, I do. (laughs) But when you say Winklevoss, I only think about Army Hammer. I know. Two Army Hammers. It would be like if two Army Hammers married the Rooney and, no, no, the Mara sisters. The Mara sisters. Was, uh, Was there a Mara in Social Network? Yes. Rooney. Oh, Rooney. Rooney Mara older one. plays Mark Zuckerberg's girlfriend and basically the reason why he starts Facebook, right? Because he's like a incel. No, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I need to rewatch that movie. Yeah. I, that movie is, is really good. That's worth a rewatch for sure. Yeah. That was a great intro because today we are discussing social media and tech and the algorithms and how those mediums have affected our lives how our thoughts about them have changed and how we're using them these days and how we plan to use them or want to use them over time i think a topic that's pretty much relevant to everybody because whether it's instagram or tiktok or if you're a an auntie or a mother on facebook you chances are if you're listening to a podcast you are probably on some sort of social media It's really hard to be unaffected. So to kick it off, I think it would be appropriate to discuss what our social media intake is and how we really use it nowadays to interact with the digital world, our real world, how we present ourselves, all of the like, because everything is possible on social media. Emily, kick it off. What's your intake like and and what's your use case for social media these days? I feel like my intake is probably too high and my use case for social media at this point in life is just really acts as a news feed for actual Mm. news and then peripherally seeing pictures of old friends who I don't keep in touch with in real life or people who actually I do keep in touch with but only online Mm. so getting to see their them have kids and and those kids grow up and everything has been really nice I, I try to stay out of the very confrontational or political use of social media just because I feel like it's 
echo chambers anyways. And so I use it to be informed about things, but I try not to put too much out there on social media, just because I think that some of the current formats are not the most effective ways for getting a nuanced Mm. message or opinion out. And so my intake of it is quite a bit from the news perspective, but then from as far as output that I put onto social media, I'm always conflicted because I want to post pictures of my kids because for the same reason that I like seeing my old time friends, their kids growing up and stuff, I know that people like to see that. But then at the same time, I'm also a pretty private person and I don't really like to share too much. And then also the perils of the internet, just in general, I don't want to be creating Mm. a a digital footprint for my kids when they don't have a choice in it. Mm -hmm. So I try to be wise about how I interact with social media and I do try to shield myself a little bit from too much of it. How do you seek out, I'm guessing this is, would you say mostly on Instagram or other platforms? Yeah, I would say mostly entirely on Instagram. Like I pretty much hate Facebook and being on Facebook at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But So I'm mostly on Instagram and yeah, it's mostly following accounts that they're showing stories that are not really covered in mainstream media or it's like AAPI specific issues too. Mm -hmm. So that's how I seek that out anyways. And then once you follow one account, of course you get all these suggestions and the algorithm Mm -hmm. starts working and starts pushing like, oh, okay, now now I'm looking at miniature pieces of toast (laughs) and I don't know how I got here, but uh, but this is is correct. You would be correct. (laughs) Yeah. When you bring up the algorithm, I do think like algorithm up against an echo chamber, the curation of content. I feel like the algorithm feeds into that in a really odd way, especially if you're trying to follow social or be on social to follow news. It's like if it suggests same or similar accounts, then it creates a small echo chamber for your own news consumption. So that's something I grapple with. Like, I obviously want to be informed by less major outlets, but also even like things that I don't necessarily agree with or things that other people are following, I do like to see every now and then. And you have to go out of your way on online in general and especially on social media to see those perspectives. I think that's a a healthy thing for me, just realizing not everybody thinks this way and like it might be like the friend I run into is thinking this complete opposite way and I I wouldn't expect that. And so I think for me, it's like following the accounts that are helpful, but also taking the deliberate time to expand my, my viewpoint and just what I'm exposed to because it can become so small. And I I feel like we've seen the results of people living in these alternate realities, right? Of like media consumption can be so different depending on which echo chamber you're in, where Mm -hmm. you can have a disagreement like literally over facts or what a situation Mm -hmm. is. We we all think that our reality is our reality. (laughs) Mm, And and if you don't follow or you don't even see anything else that's out there that you might disagree with, then it's mm. really hard to understand, like, how could anybody think differently? Because mm. all I see is people who are thinking the same way that I am. So, yeah. But Kaylee, how would you say that you manage your intake of the news? Because I know that you have mentioned on previous episodes, too, that you don't have a TV and so you don't watch the news either. So mm. how do you manage keeping up to date with what's happening currently? Yeah, part of it's social media, but I don't love to follow news on social media just because it can suck you into other things. So it's really being selective about like websites that I get my news from. And I know for a fact that it is the websites that I look at are are 
typically leaning one way. It's like the New York Times, Vox, sometimes CNN. But I try not to overwhelm myself. And then if I'm just curious about seeing what other people might be making into headlines these days, and I'll just go on foxnews.com. And, and <laughs> it's really just like very selective and then deliberately just poking into other shit every now and then just to be curious. I don't really do anything with that information. It's just like, oh, okay, this is how other people are speaking nowadays. And it's, I can pretty much expect what it's going to be, but it's kind of just helpful to put things in perspective. How do you think that your relationship with how you use social media or just media in general, I guess, has changed from, because we were in college when Facebook started, mm -hmm. right? And it was limited to only college students at that point. And now it's grown into this thing where everybody consumes everything via it. So I guess, how have you seen like your relationship with social media change as social yeah. media has changed? I think as I grow older, it's become less important to me. But I, it's funny because we have grown up in a really crazy time where it's like when we were kids, there was no internet mm -hmm. and none of this. And then in college was the advent of Facebook and then Vine and Instagram Vine. <laughs> and what else? Vine was, Vine. TikTok. <laughs> Vine was fun though. And so we've seen all of this unfold and also have a baseline of knowing what the world is like without any of it. But I would say my viewpoint and my consumption of social media has really, really scaled down just as I simplify my life and try not to be distracted by that option anymore. Probably my consumption years ago was way too much, like filling in every dead space in the day with scrolling through something. I've, I've made an effort to limit myself just because I don't see it serving me really well. It's just a time suck. And a couple of weeks ago, I put an hour limit of Instagram on my phone every day. So that it pings me when I've reached an hour and then that's Ooh, my, I need to do that. my sign to stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to have a better balance and just minimize how that impacts my days. But I would say like in college and shortly after college, like social media consumption was very, very high. Do you ever look back at the old posts that you had? on Facebook yeah, back in like so embarrassing. 2008 <laughs> or whatever and it's like oh wow oh, yeah. this is how we were using Facebook back then oh yeah some of the I remember one popped so up pure like, this day 10 years ago and it was like me leaving a video message for my friend Monica <laughs> just like <laughs> with like my shitty webcam on my like thick white apple laptop <laughs> it was very different back then and yeah, I feel like there wasn't as much just like influencers weren't really a thing. There was nobody you know, to influence. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, there were people to influence, but no one had just like tapped into the opportunity yeah, yet. Yeah. It was too yeah. fragmented at that point, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like especially thinking of us being in college in the early 2000s, that was like the really interesting time to see social evolve and see how it affects us. Yeah. I think we were lucky that we didn't do anything uh, like super embarrassing in social media mm. before we understood what social media was going to be and that it's like, oh yeah, your internet presence is going to be there forever. Yeah. And so then now I guess knowing everything that we know about it and we're like, oh, let's start a podcast and put our thoughts out on the <laughs> internet <laughs> forever. Uh-oh, <laughs> going in the wrong direction. <laughs> How do you think your modeling experience influenced mm. your views on social media and the way that you use social media? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about. That definitely fucked me up. Just the modeling experience in general and then that timing coinciding when social media was growing. When I was younger, I'd follow a lot of fashion and model accounts, which that's a, a quick and easy way to develop severe body dysmorphia as a, what, you're 18 in college, like 18 through early 20s, just being around that type of content on social, endless scrolling through that. But definitely messed with my psyche and up until recently I remember having a realization where it's probably like two years ago I saw a picture of Bella Hadid on Instagram and I was just like oh I wish I could look like that and like in my mind it was this thing that was attainable like should have been attainable and then I stepped back and I was like wait she's like 21 years old I'm just I'm not her that's never going to be possible that's a fucking wacky thing to think it's not healthy for a person yeah it took me a while to break out of that and realize oh this is really dumb and not good for me and in addition to being a waste of my time it's messing with my psyche so that's good though that you were able to separate yourself from it and to actually realize it was like this is a crazy comparison that I'm making and an unrealistic mm-hmm. one and one that's like for what purpose of like oh I wish I could look like that but like why yeah <laughs> why does it matter that's what I would be really worried about if just drawing from that personal experience if I had a child mm-hmm. or knew a teenager or something um I think it even yeah. happens I think it happens to people of all ages now too right Mm-hmm. And with rem- a lot of remote work, there was a rise in plastic surgery because people were looking at themselves. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> they, they see themselves on these screens all day and it's like, oh, is that what I look like? And then they find mm-hmm. all these flaws. And then they have the weird thing where you can put filters on yourself mm-hmm. and it's like, what becomes real? It's, it's yeah. very confusing. Yeah, it is really weird. I was with a friend recently and he was showing me this picture of a girl he went to high school with and he was like, she's had work done, but I can't quite tell. Is it like lip fillers or what? And I looked at the photo and I was like, this looks like there's about five filters <laughs> on here. Like if yeah, it's you just saw a her filter. walking on the street, you would probably not recognize her. Like it's probably plastic surgery in addition to filters too. So it's just crazy how this day and age and this technology is changing the way that we think people should look or that we should look. Mm-hmm. It's it affects everybody. So yeah, how do you separate yourself from that or find a, a healthy way to consume and be unaffected? It's really hard. I think maybe all everybody's digital presence should just not be human based, right? It mm. should be like we're all like uh, seahorse people or something, and there's no we're point. There's monkeys. no there's no concept <laughs> of beauty that we hear comparing ourselves to. Yeah, that should really be like the it, and the admission into the metaverse is like you cannot look anything mm-hmm. like what you look like in real life. Yeah, <laughs> and I think the way that social media specifically now works with you post something, you get validation and feedback right away, mm. like getting a certain number of likes or seeing those alerts come through definitely feeds something psychologically. Yep. And it's like, how is that fulfilling us mentally? And then how have we, what have we given up because we can be satisfied by that on social media? Are we giving up genuine social interactions or actually reaching out to people or being really caring and empathetic towards people? It's kind of creepy to think about, but I feel like that definitely does scratch an itch for a lot of people who use social media. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird too, because I feel like it's our digital lives to an extent, but then 
it's like our real lives replicate mm-hmm. that. I'm in this oh, yeah. mom's group on Facebook, and one of them was talking about how her daughter was participating in this coloring contest at school. And they had uh, a voting process where it was like, oh, you can go around, and it was a bit like an art fair or something. And you could mm-hmm. go and vote, or you could go and put tokens in of whatever ones you liked. And her daughter's drawing didn't get any tokens. And she's like a little kid. Like it's, but it's like, why are we, why why are we putting that framework that we know is unhealthy and drives unhealthy behavior and a need for external admiration and validation onto the analog world and into Mm. our real lives when it doesn't have to be there. Right. And, and it was funny because a lot of the commentary was just like, this is a good way to teach your daughter that it shouldn't be about external validation. It should be Mm -hmm. about, did she have fun coloring that? Did she, Mm -hmm. did she enjoy that process? Did, you know, is that something that she's interested in doing? And somebody phrased it very well, just like, don't do it for the likes. Don't do Mm -hmm. it for the clicks. I worry definitely about the way that because social media is so much more prevalent than it was when we were in college, mm-hmm. what it's doing to people's psyches at younger and younger ages. Mm-hmm. And going back to my kids too, of just, I don't know what it's going to look like by the time that they become of age and they start, you know, interacting on their own on social media. But yeah, that's definitely something that I worry about is yeah, how do I make sure that they are grounded enough to understand what's real and what's not mm-hmm. and that they don't get sucked into sort of comparing themselves to everything that they think is going on in the world. But actually, it's just a, a version of that. Yeah. Right. It's like nobody's going to post their actual reality on social media. And so to compare your own reality with whatever image somebody is putting out there is just not going to be healthy or serve you in any way. Yeah. And both of them are still pretty little, but I'm wondering how social media and tech in general, do you have any parenting practices or things that you are following since you do have children in terms of exposing them or teaching them about social media and tech? Yeah. So Luckily, I haven't had to teach them anything about it yet. But as for, as soon as they're born, it's it's how do you control who posts what about? I can control how many pictures I put out or what if I show their face or not, and that I have I know exactly who follows my account and who doesn't. But when you start adding into that, they have family and family loves them and they want to share their their cute relatives with the world and with their circle of friends but it's like I don't know what the access is on your account and I don't know what the security is like and so I don't necessarily agree with pictures or or what you're putting out about my child this is going to be out there forever and and so it starts pretty early trying to be at least really really conscious of making sure that I am at least giving them a clean enough slate (laughs) so that they can dictate their own presence on social media, as opposed to like, you have inherited this, you've been documented your entire life. And so I think it's also put a new perspective of, I need to stay apprised of what is happening in social media. Mm -hmm. Even if I want to participate in or not, even if, especially if I don't want to participate in it, I need to Mm -hmm. know what is going on with these technologies and these apps because eventually my kids are going to be on these things, right? And mm-hmm. and so it's like I look at like, oh, I'm not on TikTok. Like I was never on Snapchat. I don't understand the allure of some of these things. 
Mm-hmm. But if that's the space that my kids are going to be living in and it's those types of worlds, like I need to understand what's on those platforms and who are they going to be interacting with on those platforms. Yeah. And then it's also, I don't want them to be social pariahs either, where it's like you don't get any phone or any technology. That's not a realistic expectation to, these days either. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, how do it's, and as I'm learning for myself of like, how do I protect my own digital wellness mm-hmm. <laughs> as an adult? It's like, okay, how do I do that? And then also teach my kids to mm-hmm. be critically minded about what they see out there and like to protect themselves and their own privacy too, when they're on the internet. So mm-hmm. we'll see. It's going to be an evolving That's process. It's a crazy task because I feel like there's always a stage in a kid's life where they're just indignant to what parents want for them in effort to protect them and see their best health and interest in these things and so i mean good luck with that thanks thank you i'll let you know how it goes you'll see if my kids turn out super weird but because we grew up with such a fast pace of technology advancement when we were kids we were still using cassette players and having to do recordings on a boom box Mm. or something and then Within, I feel like, 10 years, it was every song that you could possibly ever want to listen to is now available to stream on the internet for free, essentially, Mm -hmm. right? And so I feel like the technological leaps that were made while we were growing up were so huge that there is also no way that our parents could have predicted. And now for a Double Cuzzy commercial break. When record crime hit in 2021, brothers and award-winning actors Bill, Gustav, Walter, and Alexander Skarsgård wanted to protect their families. And now they want to share their Swedish security firm with the world to protect you and the things you love. At Skarsgård Guard, the brothers offer flexible coverage packages so you can protect just the things you want and none of the things you don't. Got an extensive Pokemon collection? Cover that vintage Charizard card with Skarsgård Card Guard. What about that authentic Picasso? You won't have to worry with Skarsgård Art Guard. Losing sleep over your first edition Shakespeare? You'll have sweet dreams with Skarsgård Bard Guard coverage. Your award-winning roses? Protect them from increased wildfires with Skarsgård Yard Guard. Don't want to protect your entire yard and instead just need to cover your vegetable garden? Then Skarsgård Gord Guard is the bundle for you. And guys, don't forget to protect your reproductive health for future generations of little Skarsgårds with the Skarsgård Nard Guard package for your package. So protect your precious material objects and testicles today and visit www dot scarsgordguard.com that's www.skarsga ring which is the a with the little circle over it rdguard.com again that's www.skarsga ring which is the a with the little circle over it R-D-G-U-A-R-D dot com. I'm not saying type A ring, which is the A with a little circle over it. I'm saying that letter is called an A ring. You'll probably have to insert a special character or something. When you enter the promo code DUBCUZ at purchase of your first Skarsgård Guard policy, you'll receive a purse-sized squeeze bottle of donkey sauce when you make your first claim. So sign up today and sleep like a Swede. That's the incentive for every act. <laughs> it's just, it's just uh, purse size squeeze bottles oh of doggy sauce. <laughs> that was perfect. It was, it was like, what kind of tongue twister commercial can I do? 
And what's a name that I could use? Oh, and, and yes, there are a lot of brothers. <laughs> There's a lot of guards. Yes. Guards. And a father too, right? Well, I'm sure, but <laughs> I don't know if he's also an actor or not. What is the, the family is very large, right? Yeah. Physically, and are you going to look it up? Oh, there's so many of them. Yeah. Wow. I thought there was a double A somewhere. Skarsgård. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. The whole family. Oh, Stellan Skarsgård. He is. Is he the father? What is Stellan known for besides having a large he, brood? Was he the octopus guy in Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh, what? Yeah. And what else? He was... Someone in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. He was really creepy. And then I think, oh, oh yeah, he my was recently, God. he was recently the fat guy in Dune. Did you see the new Dune? Yes. Oh, my God. How did I not yeah, know that this gross. was his, that this was their their patriarch of yeah. the Skarsgård family? I was talking about the hot guys in Dune with my friend Oscar. And he was like, oh, you're a Stone <laughs> fan. <laughs> If you can't love Stellan at his Dune size, you can't love him in his Bond villain size. Was he in a Bond movie? I feel like he was. Probably. Wow. How old? Okay, so I know that you're looking at him, but don't look at his age. How old do you think? For for our listeners too, how old do you think the actor Stellan Skarsgård is? Skarsgård. You will know him from Dune. Pirates of the Caribbean, Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Yes, the creepy, creepy guy in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, who, spoiler alert, gets Daniel Craig in a basement. Nymphomaniac, both volume oh. one and what is this one? I did watch Also that. volume one. Are you looking on his IMDb? Yeah. Let's see. People will most know him, though, I think, from... He was also in Thor. So any Marvel fans, they'll know him as the scientist guy from Thor. He was in Goodwill Hunting too. Did he play the professor that was trying to get Matt Damon's character into therapy? I think so. I've never seen that movie. <gasps> what? You've seen Infomania, but you haven't seen Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yeah. You need to expand your repertoire of Stellan Skarsgård films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a picture on IMDb of him, and he looks very similar to Alexander. And all the Skarsgårds look Skarsgård. definitely is related. It, Gord it or Gord? is. So back to answering my my teaser, Stellan Skarsgård is 70 years old, which makes sense mm. because... <laughs> mm. Perfect age. What? Why was that my reaction? Perfect age. <laughs> Gross. The perfect age. Mm. 70. <laughs> the perfect age for a man. 70. You heard it here, listeners. Yeah, they know a lot. They've been through life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked a lot about the perils of social media and how we were very lucky that we grew up in a time where it was very innocent and there wasn't a whole lot of mm-hmm. harm that we could do to ourselves. But there is a lot of great things about social media, too, that mm-hmm. it's created. So in your perspective, what is one of the most positive things that you've seen You know, come from social media or a very positive way that you leverage social media for yourself? Mm-hmm. I have maybe like a two-part answer. I think one positive thing is you're able to air quote, keep up with people and like family members or extended family who Mm -hmm. I typically wouldn't 
talk to or if you have like a really big friend network you kind of like you know what people are up to for better or for worse i think social media is good for that but also you need to have a balance and and reach out to people too and have genuine interactions and then secondly i think it social media can be good professionally if you want to use it to network or um see opportunities that are out there or be inspired of of what you know other people are creating or doing in their lives i think i do i do get that out of social media it's just an easy way to tap in and see what creative projects people are doing or what are really interesting in the end it's all just content but interesting content that's out there and with me and my work can sometimes make me rethink or have a different view on my capabilities or what i can do so i think those are two relatively positive things but also at the in the end it's still these social media platforms. So being able to see that for what it is and know how to make it work for me without getting sucked into it. I think that's something that I try to keep in mind whenever I'm consuming anything is even if these things are like helpful or positive for me. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I would definitely agree with, especially on the, I, I don't know as much on the, on the like professional side, because I never really leveraged it professionally, but from the friend's perspective of it and like ext extended family and keeping in touch with people, I, I definitely agree with that because I think having moved around and worked at a lot of different places and my, like I have different friend groups and, mm -hmm. and so not living by those people anymore Social media has been a great way of like keeping in touch with them and mm -hmm. peripherally seeing what's going on in their lives and then giving a platform to of being able to reach out and being like, oh, like, I hope you're doing well and all this stuff. Whereas without it, I wouldn't know at all what those people were doing mm -hmm. for better or yeah. for worse. And yeah. there would be no way of really reaching out either. Yeah. Um, they probably so, wouldn't even like be in your thoughts and yeah. prayers. Yeah, they wouldn't be in my, my thoughts and <laughs> prayers. <laughs> they'd be out of sight out of mind i guess yeah that's what i that's meant the that's the opposite <laughs> thoughts and prayers out of sight same, out of same mind thing. <laughs> two sides to the same coin oh yeah what i was going to say is that there are a few of uh my i would consider them like good friends but they're not friends who like I text with, for instance. Mm. And with those friends, it's particularly helpful to be able to catch up, to be able to keep up with them. But the thing that I find funny about the algorithms is that when all this information came out of, of oh, it's extreme content that will get the most interaction. And so that gets pushed <laughs> to your feed. And it's like, I don't so much care about what maybe a close connection of mine thinks about this very extreme political position. Mm -hmm. But I do really care about the person who I went to middle school with just had a baby. And I would really <laughs> like to know that and see that. But that's not coming up in my news feed, <laughs> you know. And so I think that there's definitely some flaws, too. Of mm -hmm. I think that it's the, the purpose, if, if the objective of, of social media is connection and like real mm -hmm. connection then that can sometimes get very skewed. Yeah. And I think the that it's, yeah, that. yeah. And because sometimes somebody will pop up on my newsfeed and it's like, oh yeah, I didn't even realize that I was friends with that person still. Mm. And mm. it's like, oh yeah, we were really, really good friends when we were like five. Mm. And it's so interesting seeing that they have kids now and it's like, oh, their kids look exactly like them when I knew them. And it's like, but yeah, I don't need to know about somebody attending a Jan 6th riot or something like this. So... <laughs> 
it's like all of your close friends attended the ride and you're like i don't care about this <laughs> that's I'm the echo chamber baby. that's the echo chamber that i live in <laughs> is oh my god everybody went to the everybody went to the insurrection without me i feel so <laughs> left out <laughs> fomo I oh. got insurrection fomo oh stephanie yeah. had a baby <laughs> Yeah, show me more of Stephanie's baby. Whoa, Stephanie brought her baby to the insurrection? I didn't even know she had a baby. <laughs> so I guess maybe that's the way. If you are listening and you are a peripheral friend of mine and you want to make it into my news feed, I would welcome that. But I think you're going to have to do something extreme with your <laughs> with your baby for that to make it into my, my echo chamber, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, you're going to have to like... It's a call to action to our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do agree with that. Like the, the algorithm doesn't support that type of connection necessarily. But it's nice when you do follow people like that who are in the periphery, but you recognize them obviously and they know who you are and you've had a relationship in the past. Like if things pop up in your stories or something, I'll kind of use that as just like an opening to say like, hope you're doing well yep. or how are things going or how's austin been since you moved or something um so i think that kind of approachability is nice because oddly some of those people would be weird if i just texted them out of the blue yeah definitely i just don't have their number or there's been a lot of instances too where i'm traveling and all old friends from like elementary school or high school will reach out and be like hey i'm i live down the street from there and like let me know if you want to grab a drink so that's kind of nice because otherwise I wouldn't be like broadcasting that I'm going here or there to my friends. And I think the original or old school Facebook was like that too. Yeah. I miss MySpace. I need to bring that back. I miss Zanga. Zanga. I miss Asian <laughs> Avenue. Asian, I never was on Asian oh, Avenue. Oh man, I'm probably lucky I didn't get kidnapped at some point. But... <laughs> that just <clears> sounds yeah. creepy. Yeah. It's sounds like a like street a with all Asians. <laughs> <laughs> So I have a question for you. What is the most random account that you follow on Instagram? Mine is definitely Black Love Bible. (laughs) I was going to say I've done some cleaning up lately, so none of them are super random. But that's what the random ones are the best, though. Talk about getting out of your echo chamber, Kalia. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I need to do some more work with that celebrities eating things is really good they haven't posted in a very long time but that one's yeah that one's very random no celebrities follow more random like frequent ones though like black love bible no uh no celebrities have eaten in a while so yeah nothing nothing to post about they're all starving and then hot dudes reading too (laughs) (laughs) all right accounts hot dudes hot dudes reading yeah not eating (laughs) celebrities Celebrities eating eating. dudes reading (laughs) are those partner accounts and then uh obama and kids too oh okay i think that one's kind of inactive out of all those hot dudes reading is the only one that's posted recently but yeah i think i i need to follow more like inspirational random inspirational like meme-ish accounts like because you share a lot of things it's black love bible yeah you share a lot of things from that and it's like yeah that resonates yeah exactly (laughs) i do not know how it got into my suggestions but i think i I sent you the first one i was like i don't know how this got in here but i agree with this and then you're like you should follow them i was like i should follow them and so here i am and it's like on the daily weekly basis giving me the the hype that i i need like yeah i can do this 
I can be a strong, independent black woman. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) No, but I think that it is interesting when I get suggested these types of accounts because it is, it's like, oh, it's a very different perspective. And it is, it is a cultural lens that I don't have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's like a peek into another world a little bit. And then, Mm -hmm. and then you get suggestions for other accounts too. I think that's Mm -hmm. been really interesting of, I follow some like social activist accounts too. And then those will lead to other ones. Okay, I'm following Black Love Bible. Good. Thanks for Black. Thank you to Black Shout Love out. Bible for sponsoring this episode. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give them Another a follow. Idea. It's also really mm-hmm. important that the Black communities and the Asian communities understand each other and partner together. I feel like mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Driving empathy through suggesting Black Love Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as far as like the other positive part about it though is that. Like the accessibility is a double-edged sword for sure. Mm -hmm. But the good side about the accessibility part of it is that content creators and creatives who have been kept out of all of these mainstream and traditional forms of media, Mm -hmm. they've really made it their own. And Mm -hmm. there is so much content out there Mm -hmm. to a scary extent, but there's some really good content out there too. All right. I'm tired of talking now. (laughs) <laughs> do you want to do compliments oh yeah sure you go first and i'll just sit here and listen take a little rest <laughs> yeah this way you don't have to talk yeah okay so my compliment to you emily is that you in my eyes are like the epitome of an independent woman you've always marched to the beat of your own drum you have a really unique personality you have your own viewpoints and really strong convictions about things. And I, I really admire that. And all the while, you are this way while being a really great leader and a friend and a family member and generally just a nice person for people to be around. It's not like you have this personality and it's polarizing. And I think the way that you hold yourself and relate to people is very comfortable and people just enjoy spending time with you because of that and you're interesting to be around too so that's something I've always admired about you and I think I definitely look up to you for that and it's been constant in your whole life you haven't wavered from being independent and strong-willed your whole life yeah that's something that I think is is very neat and a very special part of you well thank you I it's it's funny that to hear that because I feel like and so much I think of what I've talked about on the pod so far as too is like I feel like I have actually been in this very traditional life mm-hmm. of doing these things that are traditional markers of progress and adulting. So it's nice to hear that you see me outside of that. <laughs> like, yeah, mm-hmm. doing my own thing and having my own opinions about stuff. And then I do agree you have had those markers, but your approach to it and your viewpoint of those things is very unique and very true to you throughout all of it and I think it's so easy just to get sucked in those cycles and that way of life but you are have been Emily throughout all of it so I think that's that's very unique take it or leave it this is me world (laughs) (laughs) exactly so as listeners because you've listened to all of our episodes up until now the last one we talked about me quitting and in the time between me put a, putting in my notice and sharing the news with a lot of people in my work circle, I've received a lot of compl- compliments. <laughs> I've received a lot of compliments just based on 
me leaving. Like that's been an, an opening for people mm-hmm. to to share kind words about me as a colleague and me as in my work that I've done with the company. So my takeaway from that is if you work within a big team and especially if you're in a leadership position, I would recommend being more generous with compliments and positive feedback, because I think more often than not, we approach work relationships in a very transactional way. And we can overlook giving people that feedback or relating to people through complimenting their work or having positive words for them. I honestly think that if I had known people thought of me this way, I don't know if that would change if I quit or not, but it would definitely have made me think of the environment in a different way. So yeah, just just with that, I would challenge myself in the future to think about the people I work with in a more empathetic way that I can express through gratitude or praise when um, appropriate or even when it's not appropriate. Like just because you want to share that thought with somebody, don't be afraid to because that can go it can go a really long way and you never know what someone is going through or what their feelings are about work or their life. And that's just always a nice little boost. And I feel like I felt an influx of that the past couple of weeks and it was really nice to hear it. But it's like during my five years at this job, it would have been nice as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good recommendation for everybody. Mm-hmm. Since we started doing this constructive compliments thing and, and really thinking more about like just being very open with positive feedback. I've Mm -hmm. tried to be a lot more effusive with my compliments at work of that was a really great meeting or that Mm -hmm. you did a great job on this specifically. And I think that part of your experience at your, at your job, it would have made a difference had people given you that positive reinforcement and feedback throughout because otherwise you become so reliant on the one point of recognition being salary bonus Mm -hmm promotion, right? And it puts so much attention on that those are the only points of validation that you get. And so if it's like, oh, I'm not advancing the way that I think I should, then I guess the company doesn't really value the work that I do, or they don't like the way that I do my work, right? And that might not be the case at all. There might be external factors as to why it's not happening. But companies also need to to back it up. If Mm -hmm. you compliment somebody and they're doing a great job, then yeah, that's great. You need to tell them that. And that's free. But you also need to be backing it up with the people who you do think do great work. You need to be giving them opportunities and mm-hmm. the resources that they need to do even better for the sake of the mm-hmm. organization, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's so it's such a simple thing to say something nice to somebody. Yeah, it's so easy and it doesn't even have to be an overt, shiny compliment. It could just be like, I saw that you put a lot of work into that and it showed, like, good job with mm-hmm. that. It doesn't have to be something crazy, but just that recognition, I think, can go a long way because sometimes I know with my work, I feel like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I shouldn't make a big deal about it. It does feel good when other people notice it and appreciate it. So I think we all need to be a little more expressive with that and open with that. Yeah. I think my compliment to you, maybe it echoes what your colleagues are, are saying too. Something that I think you are exceptional at is that you really put so much care into the things that you have in your life and that you choose to work on, right? And I think that that really shows of the the attention to detail that you have and creating a nice space in the in the home that you and Joseph redid or just caring for little things and nurturing little things like Piggy, like your adorable dog and just putting so much care in your relationships and friendships, making sure that you're in touch with people and that they know that you care about them. 
And I think about when I told the family that I was pregnant the first time. And I remember that you burst out into tears because you were so happy for me. And that was the most emotional reaction I got from anybody in the family. Mm. And I think it's because you really care, right? Mm -hmm. And like you really knew that that was going to be such an exciting life change for me. And so I have always felt that care and really the the love (laughs) from you, especially more as we've become adults. And and so it's been really great having you in my life because you're just, because of the care that you put into things, you're just an incredibly reliable person too. I just, I know that you will be there for whatever I need you for and whenever I need you. So thank you for sharing that. I feel very, very seen. I think we, it's funny that you and pull up that pregnancy announcement example, because I think it's a good example of our connection. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but when you were in labor, it was the night you were in labor. I didn't know you were at the hospital, but I was at home meditating just to wrap up my night. And I felt this overwhelming wave of emotion. And I started thinking about you And I was like, I wonder if she's going through like, if something is happening right now. And I just started crying while I was meditating. And it was just like, I could feel something happening related to this whole nine months that you've been through and like (laughs) this huge life change. And it was just like a really, I don't want to share that to make the birth about me, but the way that I felt. (laughs) You're just centering yourself (laughs) in my birth story. I see how it is. Yep. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I think I, I don't, have I ever shared that? You've never you? told me that before. No. I think that's been the worry. I'm like, I don't want to make that instance about me, but it was this like crazy connected feeling that I had. Yeah. And I think that just speaks to, even though we haven't been super, super close our whole lives, but it just speaks to like how our relationship has evolved, which I think is super cool. Yeah. I was definitely pushing a baby out of me and thinking like, I wonder if Kalia is feeling this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Kalia is meditating right I now. I hope Kalia feels connected to this experience with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh good good so it wasn't just me. yeah 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 it was mutual it was yeah. <laughs> I was holding um, Matt's hand but really I was holding your hand spiritually too so. yeah yeah no you that's, saw my that's crazy though <laughs> that's that 25 percent of shared DNA coming yeah. up yeah 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 it was crazy I remember like that happened then I went to bed and then like my phone buzzed a couple hours later and it was a picture of the baby and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> You're like, I oh, did that. it was no. worth it. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. We'll see. Okay, so the next time that I get like a spidey sense of something, I'm texting you. Yeah. Being like, what's oh, up? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that intuition. <laughs> yeah. All right, listeners, that's it for this week's episode. I'll play the outro now. <laughs> like and subscribe. Yeah, like and subscribe on all platforms, I think. Thanks for listening to Double Cuzzies, where we're cousins and friends, but most importantly, we're family. Bye. Bye.